All right, grab your Bibles. Enough of that. We're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 7 through 8. Give me some amens when you get there. Deuteronomy is in the Old Testament. Just give y'all a heads up. One way you can tell if it's in the Old Testament or not. If it's hard to spell, it's usually in the Old Testament. Y'all ready? Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all of Israel, be strong and courageous. Every time I read that, it gets me. Be strong and courageous. <clears throat> For you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. You must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will always be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Let us pray. Oh, Father, just like Sarah earlier, I praise you for the joy of this church. Um, I've never been a part of a church like it. It's been amazing to watch you step in and take control of that. Father, I just ask that you continue to lead myself and the rest of leadership, guide and direct us so that stays here. Um, Father, this is one big family. It's just been, again, so amazing to watch you work, to sense your presence, to know you're here. Um, Father, it's evident to me. I just praise you for that. I thank you for the season coming up, Father, and I ask again that we make sure that we understand the importance of it, what it's truly all about, that we take the time of the busyness to sit back and reflect and understand that, uh, Father, not only did you bring your only son into this world, but you took him away. And you did it for us. And uh, Father, then again, the resurrection of him just sets the example of us and our old selves dying. And we can be resurrected as well. Father, I praise you for it. I know I do. I, I know I appreciate that. <clears throat> Father, today you've given me a sermon that um, uh, I have no doubt that there are people in this room that definitely need to hear it. I, I know that. Uh, it's obvious to me. Father, I know at one point in time I really need to hear it too, and I still need to be reminded of it daily. So, Father, in this moment I'm asking that you anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Father, I've had a lot of distractions that I need taken away. I need anger taken away. I need lack of patience taken away. I need um, pride taken away. Father, just rip my flesh off. Father, I'm asking in this moment you replace it with you, that the, Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit anoints me. Father, I need your boldness today to deliver this message that you've given me. I ask these things in your name, Father. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. Uh. When we face adversity in our life, guys, we have an option of two responses that we can do. We can respond again in one of these two ways. 
The response you choose not only determines your future, but it also determines the future of your family, the future of your church, and the future of God's kingdom. The good news is, this choice is yours. No matter the situation you face, you get to choose between these two responses. You and you alone are in control of this choice. You can either respond with fear, or you can respond with courage. Today's title is, God Hates a Coward. You might be saying to yourself, Micah, that's a harsh title. Before I dive into this, I'm going to tell you right now, I have no doubt God hates a coward. I've got biblical evidence to pull that up. Nick, if you could pull up that in Revelation for me, please. Revelation 21, 1 through 3. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven, uh, or excuse me, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. Verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Amen? And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha. I am the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who thirsty, I will freely from or excuse me, I will free I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Verse 8. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. God hates a coward more than anything, and I'm going to tell you how I know that. If you look at this list, what leads the top of this list? A coward. One thing God has shown me is if you're a coward, all those other things you'll end up doing because you're a coward. You have to be courageous. God hates a coward, guys, because he can't use a coward. He can't use one. God wants to use you guys. He wants you to be a part of his army. But in order for you to be a soldier in God's army, guys, again, you, you have to have courage. You may be asking yourself, well, who is God talking about when he says a coward? Who, who, who does God consider a coward? Guys, it's simple. A coward is someone who does not follow through with what God asks of them because of fear. Because of fear. Fear controls a coward. Now, I need you to understand, guys, we're not going to be 100% perfect in this area. We're not. God asks us to do something. We're, we're not going to always do it. I don't care who you are. Just to be honest with you, you're not. But that's where God's grace and mercy comes in. Amen? However, there are moments in your life where you've got to take a stand. 
You have to. And you better have the courage to do it. And in those moments, guys, I need you to know God's paying very close attention. And he knows those moments. He knows when he's going to put those moments in front of you. He's got it marked on his calendar to go check this out on that day. He's going to come watch how you handle that situation on that day. This may really hit home for a lot of you. You may be thinking to yourself that you're not a courageous person. Guys, I need you to understand something right now. If you don't think you're a courageous person, that's not God talking to you. That's Satan. That's the evil one. That's the devil. And he's trying to put that inside your head. He's trying to implant that inside of your head, guys. I'm here to tell you today that we all have courage. We can all be a courageous person. That courage lives inside of us, and I have biblical proof to back that up, guys. Let's go look at 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Power. That's courage. Right? Not fear. Courage. It's inside of all of us, guys. God wouldn't give you fear. Anytime you feel fear, anytime you feel lack of courage, that's not God. That's the evil one again, trying to implant that into your mind. So how do we bring this out? How do we gain courage? In order to gain courage, guys, you must conquer your fears. Fear is what the devil uses to hold us back. Again, fear creates a coward. Christian warriors, I need you to grasp this today. If you don't get anything else from this sermon, I really need y'all to get this. I really need y'all to grasp this. Fear is the opportunity, guys, for courage to show up. That's what fear is, and that's how you have to look at it. When, when, you're, when you're going into a situation and you, and you feel that fear coming, you're scared, you're fearful, you've got this lack of courage, guys, that's the opportunity for you to let that courage out of you. Allow the Holy Spirit to take over. Every single time, I, gosh, I've got to get you all to grasp this. When you feel fear, when you are scared, it's time to stand up. It's time. In that moment, right then, it's time to allow the Holy Spirit to just throw courage back out there at you. When fear hits you, that's got to be your thought process. But Mike, I struggle with having the courage to defeat fear. The reason that you lack the courage, guys, is because you lack confidence. You lack confidence. In order to be a courageous person, guys, you have to have confidence. Confidence builds courage. Where fear creates a coward, confidence builds courage. Some people struggle with this. They, they don't want to come across as cocky, trying to be confident. I get that a lot. I have a lot of people say, well, Mike, I don't want my pride to get in the way. You know, I worry about that. Guys, I need you to understand, your confidence doesn't matter. It's what your confidence is in that makes the difference. That's what makes the difference. I promise you guys, if you're confident in God, it won't come across cocky. I used to struggle with this. I'm going to go off topic a little bit. I used to struggle with this where, where I would always worry about my pride getting in the way. You know, I would always worry that I would come across cocky. And I, I'm telling y'all, this really, 
bothered me. And, and it was when we, it's when we started the church and having to stand up here and preach in front of everybody. And, and there's, a, there's some Sundays that that, that that boldness of the Holy Spirit comes out of you. And I'm not going to lie, when I'm done preaching at the end of the day, I, I'll look back and I'll be like, oh, I hope I didn't come across cocky. And I used to really worry about that. And I had somebody tell me this one time. It was an old pastor. I was explaining to him this. And I was telling him, again, I feel like my pride might be getting in the way sometimes. And he told me, he said, Michael, let me ask you a question. He said, when you go up there, is your heart in the right place? It's always in the right place. I take this so serious, so serious. And this is what he told me. He said, if your pride tries to flash up just a little bit, God's so much bigger than your pride. So much bigger than he will squash that out. He'll make sure people won't see that. If it tries to creep in, people aren't going to see that. Because the confidence that you have is coming from your heart. And the Holy Spirit lives there. So don't allow satan to put that thought in your mind right don't allow him to make you think that you're being cocky when it's really the confidence that you have in god we call this at this church godfidence it's what we call it here godfidence and guys i promise you in building god's kingdom you need all the godfidence you can get i promise you that there are three stories guys i want to share with y'all that involve major courage the first one is from the old testament it's the story of shadrach meshach and abednego uh, i'm gonna set the scene for you guys i mean this is in daniel chapter three king nebuchadnezzar was an evil king and, and he built this huge monument tower uh, statue you could call it of himself and he built it all in gold now see now that's cocky you know what i'm saying that part's cocky and he built it all in gold and i can just imagine me being in the jewelry industry there's no telling how much money was in that gold you know what i'm saying that's a that's a lot of gold but he built the whole thing forgive me i can't remember the height of it and so forth but i want to say it was four stories tall but he builds this big thing and he goes to those three men and he says or excuse me he goes to everybody actually and he tells everybody you, you got to bow down and worship the statue of me this idol of me but these three men they weren't going to do it so he got word of it, got upset, and he's going to throw them in this furnace, right? Like that was his, most of y'all know this story. We're a bunch of Christians in here. We've heard this story before. But anyway, for those of you that didn't, it's okay. So, so, so he gets this furnace going. He gets it up to temperatures that it's never been before. And literally the people that are getting this furnace that hot, some of them were dying because of the heat, okay? He gets ready to throw them in there. And that's where I want to pick this up at. Let's look at Daniel chapter 3. We're going to read verses 24 through 25. Or excuse me, yeah. 24 through 25 first. So he throws them in the fire. Then, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to the counselors, Did we not cast these three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth, is like the Son of God. Now here's the first point that I want y'all to get about this story. Those three men were very courageous. If you go read the whole story, and I highly suggest that you do if you hadn't read it yet, they refused to bow down to the idol because the only thing they were going to bow down to was God. Now guys, I need you to understand there's going to be a point in this world, and we may not be here when it happens, but there's going to be a point in some point in time, and it's in Revelation, that we're going to have to choose. Yeah. Now we may not have to, again, if you're pre-rapture or, or post-rapture, whatever it is that you believe, 
We may not be here for a lot of that. But there's a slight chance that we might be. And we've got to make a choice. Are we going to bow down to the evil idol, to the false prophets, or are we going to refuse like these three men did? Strong courage from these three men. But the point of the story that I need you to grasp is this. They knew they were going to get thrown in this fire. They had faith that God would take care of them in the fire. Guys, when you have courage, I need you to understand this. When you allow the Holy Spirit to give you that courage and you work through that courage, God shows up every time. Every time. The Son of God shows up in this story. When you use courage and you use it to build the kingdom of God, God will show up. Let's go look at Daniel chapter 3. Let's look at 26 through 29. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their head was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Verse 28 and 9. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people... Whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They will be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. Point number two. When you allow courage from the Holy Spirit to take over, it changes people's lives. First, God shows up. Two, the example that you set from that courage can change people. This was a man who only worshipped himself. Again, I need you to understand. This statue was four stories tall. Y'all have no idea how much gold that takes, what that cost. And in one moment, just like that, he'd care less about that thing. It changed this man. And again, if you go read the rest of the story of King Nebuchadnezzar, it changed him from that point on. God shows up. It can change people. The third point that I need you to grasp from this is be careful who you take in the fire with you. Okay? These three men stood together in unity and had great confidence that God would take care of them, right? Right? Yeah, again, make sure that the people that you take into these fires with you, guys, they got to be confident. They got to be godly people. They got to be strong. But again, that, that confidence, man, because the confidence, confidence is uh, it's contagious. And it builds, again, courage. About two years ago, I, I, it was been three years ago, three years ago, I, I, I messed my shoulder up real bad, and I had to go get a shot. Some of y'all heard this story before, so just, again, act spiritual. And so, so I messed my shoulder up, messed them both up. So I had to go to the doctor, and, and they had to give me a steroid shot. 
And, and, and the first time I went, they were supposed to do both shoulders. They didn't get both shoulders because they did the first shoulder, and, and I about passed out, okay? Face turned white, cold sweats, everything. Doctor looked at me. He's like, we're not going to do the second one right now. I said, okay. So go home. I'm telling Amanda about this. And she said, well, when you go get the second shot, I'll go with you. That way I can drive you home if you pass out again, you know, you get sick or whatever. So I was like, all right, you know, that's, that's good. You know, my wife, she's going to support me through this. I'm excited about it. So we go back to the doctor, and I get in there, and I sit down. First of all, I hate those dead gum. Why do they make those hospital beds so tall? You know, you feel like you're five, you know, like your feet are dangling. So I'm sitting up there, and, and, I'm, and my feet are dangling, and me and Amanda are talking, and I need you to understand, I am scared. Quit laughing. I know your feet probably touch the ground. I don't want to hear that, mess. <laughs> so I'm scared to death. Yeah, I don't like needles, okay? I need you to understand something. Needles and blood, Michael was not called in the medical field. I promise you that. God did not call me to that, okay? So I get very sick, very wheezy when those things happen. So I'm sitting up on this bed, and Amanda's sitting in a chair across from me, and we're talking, and the doctor walks in, and she sees the look on my face all of a sudden. I mean, I'm sitting there talking, and I'm laughing. The doctor walks in, I went, mm. <laughs> So doctor walks in. Again, the first time I got shot, guys, I don't look at the needle. I don't look at the needle. Even when I get blood, I don't look at the needle. I know they're a little bitty, but I don't care. It's a needle. I don't like it. And blood, like I don't like it. So I'm sitting up on this chair, and in walks the doctor. And he's talking to Amanda for a minute, and the whole time I'm thinking, hey, let's get this over with. Like, y'all quit talking, let's get this over with. So finally, he pulls out the needle. Now, I'm not looking at the needle. Now, here's what I need you to understand. This type of shot, there's two needles involved. There's one that's thicker that they put in you first, and then they slide the skinny one inside of that, and that's what they inject you with the steroid with, right? So I'm sitting there, and I'm trying to get all pumped and crap. I'm like, I got this. I'm going to be all right got this I'm not saying this out loud by the way it's in my head you know and I'm like I got this I'll be okay and, and I'm, I'm like counting in my head one two three I'm be okay. okay so I'm sitting there and then all of a sudden they pull the needle out and I'm looking at Amanda and she goes <laughs> my confidence was shot no more confidence guys be careful who you take in the fire with you? <laughs> She's not in here, so I can tell stories about her today. The second story, no, hush, you ain't going to hear about that. Listen, guys, anytime I talk about Amanda in here, it stays in here. Amen? Do I have y'all's word? Less prayers for y'all. The second story I want to share with you guys that involves major courage is from the New Testament. And this is in John chapter 19, guys. I'm going to set the scene for you here. Jesus has been arrested. He's been beaten. And now he's fixing to go to Golgotha and hang on a cross. And he gets to the cross. And at that point, um, John, John was the only disciple. I need you to understand, once he was arrested in the garden, the disciples flee, all of them, even John at that point. They all went running. They were all scared. Lack of courage. Okay. Paul, I mean, excuse me, Peter even denied him three times. I know we know all these stories and so forth. But what I need you to grasp from this is, is John was the only one, I preached this last Easter, John was the only one that ended up going to the cross and standing next to Jesus as he was crucified. We're going to pick it up there. Standing near the cross where Jesus' mother and his mother's sister Mary and Mary Magdalene 
when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, that's John, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to his disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. John was the only one that went to the cross. He was the only one that had the courage to show his face. And what this verse tells me is, is when you show up with courage, Jesus invites you into his family. To what it shows me. You become a part of God's family. But guys, if you lack the courage, you're not going to get there. Again, we're not going to be 100% perfect on this, guys, and I'll, I'll talk about that at the end. I've shared a story now from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. Guys, it's only fitting that I talk about one for the Now Testament. So our third story is what I want to talk about. They're not here today, so I can talk about them. Uh, Blake, Keener, and, and Shortney, I mean Courtney, excuse me. It should be all right. So Courtney, <laughs> those two, I want to tell y'all a story of courage for them. Number one, what I love about this, they came to me not too long ago, and they're wanting to help out with the youth. That takes major courage to put up with them crazy teenagers. I have two of them that live with me, okay? So number one, very proud of them, proud of the courage that they have to step up and to try and make a difference in these teenagers' lives. But then Blake did something else, guys. This past week, a uh, week and a half ago, my brother Bojo sitting over here, he, he was going through a, a major storm, a major storm. And uh, this past week, uh, on Monday, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, one of those days, Blake reached out to Bojo. He just said, man, God put you on my heart. just want you to know I'm praying for you. Bojo's reply to him was, man, did you know about any of this stuff that happened last week? Blake said, no. He said, God just put you on my heart, and I knew I needed to reach out to you. That changed everything for Bojo. It changed a lot for me as well once Bojo told me that story. Guys, here's the point. You know, we get so caught up in what is courage. We think we got to go stand in a fiery furnace or follow Jesus straight to the cross. Guys, it's just as simple as doing what he asks of you. It's just as simple as encouraging others. Blake has the gift of exhortation. It's a gift of the body. It's in Romans chapter 12. Exhortation is encouragement. He has that gift, and he's got the courage to use it. And I don't think he realized the difference that he made last week. But here's the thing, guys. How hard is it to do that sometimes? God says, I need you to reach out to this individual. I need you to pray over this individual. And we don't do it because we allow fear to step in instead of courage guys it's again you, you don't have to be in the army you don't have to be a police officer you don't have to be a dang pastor you just got to be who God wants you to be and if you do that you're a courageous person
Again, it doesn't have to look like what the world thinks it needs to look like. God knows what he wants you to look like. All you got to do is follow through with it. It's that simple. There's a lot of y'all out there, by the way. There's a lot of stories that I could sit up here and tell. But the Cowboys start at 3.30. And there's not enough time. I do want to say something, though, really and truly. There's a lot of y'all, and I'm very proud of this church. If somebody asked me to show them a courageous church, I want to thank y'all for me to be able to say it's CW's. There's a lot of courage in this room. I thank y'all for that. Uh, My question to you guys today, are you doing that? Do you have the courage to use the gifts that God's given you? Or are you letting fear turn you into a coward? I want to close with a story that Jesus told. It's a parable in Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to read the entire thing, so I'm going to let y'all grab your Bibles and y'all can get there. It's Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. And we'll give y'all a few seconds to get there. Y'all are fast. Again, the kingdom of heaven, this is Jesus speaking. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing them into portions of their abilities. He then left on his trip. Real quick, I just want to add this. Some translations here will say talents. They won't say money. And I need you to remember that. It'll say talents, which if you go look it up, means money. But just remember the word talents, okay? Verse 16. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Verse 19, after a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account on how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise and said, Well done my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. 
The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said again, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Verse 24. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops, I didn't plant and gather crops I didn't cultivate. Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least it would have earned a little bit of interest. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will harvest, or excuse me, and they will have abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Romans chapter 12 tells us the gifts of the body, the gifts of the church. And it tells us that every single Christian has at least, at least one. God's given you a talent. He's given you a gift. I'm here to tell you today, if you don't use it, he's going to take it away. He's going to give it to somebody that will. About 11 or 12 years ago, my father, my late father, told me one day, that he felt God was calling him to start a ministry. And I asked him, I said, well, Dad, what's that look like? You know, what kind of, what kind of ministry is this going to be? And he said, it's going to be an outreach ministry. He said, I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. He hasn't given all that to me, but I know, I feel I'm supposed to do this. My dad didn't do it. He let his past let his mistakes get in the way of that here's what happened satan implanted fear in my father now i need you to understand something i love my dad my dad was a very courageous man at, at the right times but this was one where he got hit he got beat up we all get beat up we all get beat up but god wouldn't leave him alone about it and i have no doubt that god was calling him to do the exact same thing my father was anointed he made a lot of mistakes, but that man was anointed, and I knew he was. He was very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Guys, I need you to understand something. My dad was diagnosed with uh, dementia. And about a year after that happened, God came to me and he said, I need you to start an outreach ministry. And I need you to call it Christian Warriors. My dad was supposed to do that. 
but he lacked the courage at that time. And God took it away, and he knew I'd do it, and he gave it to me. I would love for my dad to have stepped up and, and, and done it. And it's not because I don't love what I do. I love this. I love this. But I'd have loved to have seen him standing up here instead of me. Because I know God called him to it. But guys, here's what I'm telling you. Don't let God take something from you. Because you're not using it. Because you lack the courage. Stand up and be strong and courageous. God is with you. If you can just, guys, all it is is a step. And that's why my dad didn't know the rest of the vision because he wouldn't take the first step. You just got to take the first step. He will not forsake you. He will lead you the rest of the way. He'll give you that guidance. But you got to have courage to take the first step. I have no doubt that there is something that God has been asking people in this room to do. In fact, I know that. I know that for a fact, that there's people in this room that God has been asking you to do something with the talent that he's given you, with the gift that he's given you. And you're not doing it because you're scared. You've allowed Satan to control your destiny. Y'all hear me? Why? He's a defeated foe. Why are you listening to him? One step of courage, guys. Whatever it is that God's asking you to do, it's one step of courage. That's all he wants to see. Will you at least try? He knows we're going to falter. He knows we're going to mess up. He knows there's times that we will lack the courage. But here's what I'm going to tell you. You'll get so much stronger and so much more courage with each step you take. But you ain't going to get there again until you take that first step. So I know there's people in this room, guys. I know that. The beginning of this, we talked about what is courage. And here's what I'm going to tell you courage is, and I'm going to close this out. Courage is obedience. It's obedience. And I'm going to tell you, this is something I've learned in my walk, and I've said it a hundred times up here, and y'all get sick of it, I don't care. But I need you to grasp it today and walk out with it because I'm tired of Satan picking on and, and dragging people, my brothers and sisters, around and implanting fear in them. It's one step of obedience, guys, and this is what courage is, is when you take that step of obedience and you're obedient until it hurts, and you keep going. You push past that. That's courage. It's going to make you look stupid at times. It's going to make you look crazy. But guess what? That's crazy faith. Just keep rolling with it. 